Welcome to Mandate. Grief is an emotion we all experience in life one way or another, but the loss of a child brings grief that's hard to even imagine. We are grateful to be talking about it today with our good friend, Megan Rolog. And welcome, my friends, to another excellent episode of Mandate. We are so glad that you're with us. I am Joe Obermuller, and I am here, as always, with my very good friend, Mr. Ben Cruz. What's up, everybody? It's great to be with you again, Ben. Great to be with you, Joe Obermuller. We're, we're recording this on a delightful fall day. Yes, we are. Yeah. And you know what? It's I told our guest, Megan, that she was going to get the best of us because we have not recorded for a couple weeks. I know. It's true. We've been busy with... Well, your show, which yeah, was a all kinds of awesome things. success. It was. A couple vacations in there. Like, this is going to be an all-star episode. It is an all-star episode. And Mandate just kept rolling along. Yes, it did. We you kept know? dropping them episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm really, um, I, I don't know if excited is the right word for today's conversation. I, uh, I'm very grateful that you're here, Megan. Thanks for doing this with us. Well, thank you for having me. So, Ben, um, fill us in on where this where you got connected to Megan. Absolutely. So Megan uh, has been a wonderful friend of mine since I was 18 years old. Uh, and when so he, we graced the wonderful, beautiful campus of the University of South Dakota. Go Yotes. Go Yotes. <laughs> so we were both in the Greek community. Plug, Greek community. You should get involved, little people, if you get uh, down to USD, because you meet fantastic, fantastic people. So that's where... There's a lot more stories in there, and some <laughs> of them are probably not appropriate. Not appropriate for yes. our show. <laughs> That's uh, a different podcast. Different podcast. Maybe we'll get invited together yes. for that go. one. However, we have stayed connected, and Megan, you are just a beautiful soul. You have a beautiful family, and thank we're you. really, really excited to have you here. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm a little nervous, so hopefully I do okay for you guys. But You're A plus already. <laughs> a plus already. <laughs> You're going to nail it. So we're going to get into it. Um, sure. Like we talked about pre-show, uh, you have a very interesting testimony and sure. part of your story yeah. that I feel uh, some people recover from, and I think there's some people that don't recover from. Mm -hmm. And so uh, your story, unfortunately, involved uh, the tragic passing of your daughter. And so can you walk us through your your process, essentially? Sure. So um, about four and a half years ago, I entered motherhood in a way, you know, I never expected. I was nine months heavily pregnant, like doing uh, prenatal yoga, like drinking lots of hot water, enjoying my pregnancy, feeling my baby kick, um, just planning our future. And unfortunately, when I went into labor, um, I ended up going into the hospital in active labor. Um, and upon arrival, I found out that our daughter didn't have a heartbeat. Um, and I remember in that moment, just your life just changes instantly. And yeah, from that moment on, my life has never been the same. Um, I um, had to proceed with labor, and she was born still. I like to say, you know, she was born sleeping. Mm -hmm. I know her soul had left her body prior to that, but we were able to spend some time with her physical body in the hospital for a couple days. But um, since losing her, my life has completely shifted, and it's completely changed in dealing with um, the loss of her. Um, still impacts me today. I'm still grieving um, her loss and it's something 
yeah, I deal with every day. Um, I'm not the same person I was, you know, four and a half years ago. Um, I've come a long way um, and it's something I continue to work at. Um, and yeah, so that's, you know, my first, that's how I entered motherhood is through yeah. a loss. And I, um, I have a three and a half year old son now that was born a year and a day to the date of losing her. Mm. Um, and my daughter's name was Lila. She was born five pounds um, on the dot. And I just remember when I was in labor with her, um, you know, when they told me she had passed away and I just made this unearthly, just this unearthly, like moan, this scream. I mean, I can recall it. I, I could never reenact it again mm -hmm. for sure. And, um, I just remember never feeling such utter pain and I was in physical pain too, but this was an emotional pain. Um, and in that moment, it was so strange. Cause I just, at that time, you know, I had my husband, we were holding each other. I was in this physical pain and just wanting my mom and my sister, and they were able to kind of help me get through the actual labor process. But, um, from losing her, it's really just, she's one of my biggest blessings. She just really taught me so much, um, about empathy and kindness and how to grieve and how to live life and live mm -hmm. a, an abundant life and to live for, you know, each day. So it's really been a gift to be her mother. I feel really lucky to have kind of gone through what I've gone through. Uh, first of all, I need to point some things out as you're talking about your testimony. Mm -hmm. One, you're talking so lively about yeah. her. And, yes. and I think that is exactly, okay, everyone can grieve differently. So I don't want to like stand on this rock and be like, this is how you should grieve. Sure. But the way you talk about Lila mm -hmm. is engaging and it feels like we can come alongside of you, mm -hmm. and you and you're open about it. So that brings up my second piece, which is you very publicly grieved. I yes. mean, it was something that I remember seeing it four mm -hmm. years ago when you were going through it. And I remember actively praying, like mm -hmm. actively being with the God that I trust my life with, mm -hmm. screaming your name and Lila's name yeah. and saying, just get her to the next minute. Yeah. Because I have, we have three children mm -hmm. and I know what it's like to see the miracle of that, whether it doesn't matter which way that goes, just the process mm -hmm. as a male, yep. I can't understand it. But when you, when you're in it and you're in that moment and you talk about that moment mm -hmm. and that moment didn't go the way it, it went for me. Mm -hmm. I, I want to know what was going through your head as your, I mean, you made that a very public thing. Yes. Um, so a couple things when obviously I was nine, nine months pregnant, I had been sharing my pregnancy. I announced, you know, we're having a girl. It's kind of like a weird time. And, um, after we had her, um, you know, I was just devastated. And actually, um, when we had decided to post something on Facebook, we weren't really sure. Um, I had two things like, um, I had actually gone, left the house, um, to go run an errand. And I can't remember what it was at the time, but my next door neighbor had saw us and he came and approached me to the door and he's like, someone's looking skinny. And in that second, I just, I, again, I just like completely broke down and I didn't know what to do. And I just started crying. And then a second occurrence, my sister had been trying to kind of get me out and about and to do things. So I wasn't just at home, like being sad. And I ran into somebody I had known in high school who had seen me at, she worked at home goods, you know, I was there picking out baby stuff and clothes and things like that. And she noticed me, she's like, Oh my gosh, you had the baby. Like, how is she? And so it was in that moment, like, okay, I need to notify people what happened. So 
I'm not caught off guard like that because it was so it was like going through it again. Like I would mm. feel the literally my heart broke like physically like I could feel the pain of it breaking every time that happened and it would just re-trigger me and I couldn't control my emotions when people you know they weren't being they were just being kind and asking and wanting to see like how I was doing and unfortunately I had a really terrible story to uh, tell them so you know and one thing I remember being in the hospital and being like, I'm so glad I don't suffer from depression. How would somebody get through this? And I remember just telling my sister, like, there's no way I'm never going to get pregnant again. I never want to go through this. This was like insane. And I just remember being so scared to honestly deliver her because first, it's your first child. I have no idea. Like, I'm in so much pain. Like, my contractions were getting closer and closer together. And finally, after I got an epidural, I could be like, okay, I could like relax a little bit. But the physical pain was still there. And I remember just being like, I can't believe people do this. I could never do this again. Um, but then, and it's so weird because, you know, she was sleeping, you know, she had passed when I delivered her. It was still such a beautiful experience to be able to see like, oh my gosh, I made this perfect baby. Like, look how beautiful she Amen. was. And, you know, there is beauty and sadness. And I feel so lucky to feel, um, you know, this sadness because I loved her so much. And so it's just kind of a, yeah, just a beauty and the sadness. But we just really, you know, I wanted to share with people because I'm like, you know, you never think anything bad could happen during your pregnancy. You just don't. And you shouldn't think like that. Like, even when I got pregnant again, I just, you have to get that out of your mind. I had to get rid of social media. I had to, like, think positive. Like, this is going to be good because there's so much negative information in the news and around you. And it's, um, you know, it's debilitating when you realize, like, all the bad things that can happen. And being pregnancy is, being pregnant's scary mm-hmm. enough. Um I completely lost my train of thought. I don't even know what I was saying. Well, there. I really, <laughs> I, that that's like the title of this episode. I think S- suddenly we just got it, uh, beauty and sadness. Yeah. And I, so I guess I want to know. I, I'm curious about two things. One, um, as you were sharing this with people, and I, I assume that you're doing this through some kind of blog or or some yes, or, or just, just Facebook. And okay. now I kind of remember what I was saying. I just remember being like how can this happen to people and um, how can I make, you know, how can I help somebody else? How can I help somebody else grieve? Like I just knew um, for my personality, like I'm very outgoing, you know, I'm bubbly, I'm positive, And this completely knocked me down. Yeah. I mean, I've never felt this type of darkness and mm. sadness and I knew I couldn't survive and live in that darkness. So I had to find a way to honor her and honor myself and to live in a way to make her proud because as any parent wants to do you want to like live to make your children proud you want to be a good example for them so I continued to do that even though her um, physical body you know wasn't here yeah so as the news was getting out there mm-hmm. and and people were becoming aware of what had happened what were some ways over time that people showed up for you in what ways did people do that 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 was helpful and then I'm also curious about ways in which people tried to help, but it actually wasn't that helpful. It's hurtful. Yes, I have lots, lots of both stories. So for the most part, everybody was 
unbelievable. I mean, I just remember. So again, I birthed this child. And if you guys have children, you know, your wife has to physically heal from that. So unfortunately, I returned home. And every time I cried, I'm producing breast milk. Mm, And I couldn't stop crying. And it's, you know, I'm looking at my empty body, my belly, and it's just, you know, the physical reminder of my daughter is not here. And then, you know, I have all this stuff at home. But as soon as we got home, you know, we were just surrounded by our close family and friends. And, you know, um, I kind of giggle this lady at the, we live in Brandon and the Brandon sunshine lady had come to our house so many times. Every time we saw her, she just cried. She's like, I'm back again. And, you know, just hugging us. But it's a true testament to like how loved we were. I mean, our house was full of flowers. I mean, I have no idea how many bouquets we had, but I mean, they were displayed all over. I put them all over and it was just the And I still sometimes if I get the scent of certain flowers, I can like just imagine what our house looked like Mm. at that time. So just having flowers, just people calling and texting. We got so many nice cards. And actually, I had saved, you know, I don't have a lot of mementos from her. But, you know, I kept her first outfit that we put her on and a couple things. And I kept actually every single card anybody wrote us and I put it in a book Um, and sometimes actually like if I go through her things I like to read through them and it's just so beautiful to kind of see the nice words that people kind of wrote to us and reached out but um, yeah I mean just people doing nice things dropping off um, meals sending nice words just praying for us Mm. Um, yeah and on the flip side of that some people that don't know how to grieve you know it is kind of an uncomfortable thing and that's one thing I'm like don't you know it's my child talk to me about it I'm not I it's not uncomfortable for me like I went through it you know I don't want people to feel uncomfortable ask me about my situation or talking about my daughter um, but some people will almost completely ignore like not bring anything up whatsoever or they say it once and then kind of forget about it and never bring it up Um, another thing that's really hurtful is, you know, and I know it comes from a place of love. People are just trying to connect with you and they'll say, oh, you know, my sister had a miscarriage or I know somebody else who did this. Or they'll say like blanket statements like, oh, God needed another angel, which again comes from a place of love. But those things are not helpful. They're hurtful. Mm. And I know people are just trying to connect, um, but it actually makes you feel more isolated, you know, so... I don't know. I think that's that's so helpful to know about that because I think I've been in that situation before. I'm sure a lot of people have where there's a a tragic thing that's happened and you feel deeply for the family or the person and and you want to do helpful things uh, and then you accidentally do one of these things Mm -hmm. that isn't that isn't so helpful. And that's totally okay. You know, there's no right or wrong answer to like deal with somebody that's grieving. But unfortunately, we all are going to encounter somebody who's going through some type of grief. So I think through my experience, if I can teach people how to maybe help their friends go through a divorce or losing their job or, you know, whatever type of grief they're going through, that would be beneficial. I would say, um, you know, my one my one tip is to don't ask, just do. So, you know, a lot of times people will say, hey, um, let me know if I can do anything for you. Somebody who's grieving, one, they don't know what they want. Two, they're never going to ask for help. So I would just suggest if you want to do something, do it. I just saw this beautiful um, post, I think, on Instagram, actually, which my friend had shared with me. Um, Her friend had gone through a miscarriage, and her 
uh, other friend had sent a text like, hi, please choose one of four options. Option A, I'll pick up your kids from school and make them dinner and drop them off and, you know, bring you fast food. Option two, I'll go pick up your grocery pickup. Option three, you know, we'll do dinner dash. Option four, I'll send you a prayer or completely ignore you. And I just thought that was great, kind of giving yeah, someone yeah. options to choose from from things. But I mean, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant, but just like, hey, I'm going to the coffee shop. Can I grab you a coffee? Or, hey, I'm going to be here if you want to stop by and talk. Um, you know, so don't ask, just do, because someone who's grieving, they're not going to reach right. out and ask. So I, th I think, um, I want to stay on this <laughs> the communication piece. Yes. I think that's where people get almost in the mud, mm -hmm. right? They don't know what to do. They either stop or they go too far. Sure. So in, in your and Matt's mm -hmm. circumstance, sure. what can people do to be better at communicating with you? Short-term, mid-term, sure. long-term. Yeah. Well, I would say always bring it up. Like even somebody who, say, lost their parent, it's like I feel like they always bring it up right away and then they never, you know, want to talk about them again or bring it up because they're worried they're going to remind them and make them emotional. It's like, no, you're not reminding them that their dad or their daughter died. Like they know. Like you're reminding them that you care about them. So I would just say like continue to bring it up and continue, you know, on try to remember anniversaries or like at holidays, like, hey, I remember your dad this one time doing this or, hey, I remember when you were pregnant and this happened or this reminded me of Lila or yeah. whatever. Just continually to kind of bring it up. Don't just do it once and then forget about it. But yeah, like I said, you're not reminding this person that they lost them. I mean, you're reminding them, hey, I remember and I care about you. And if you get in a sticky situation, I mean, everyone says the wrong thing. I mean, people are really understanding if you're trying to you know, empathize and care for them. They're pretty forgiving. Yeah. So I have a, I have a hunch that there was a lot of influx of the flowers and things like that yes. initially, right? Yes. And then that sort of tapers off. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you have a few folks that are checking in mm -hmm. regularly like, like that. Um, I, so I'm curious now to talk about that sort of um, transition with your husband and sure. it's kind of the the initial thing the initial shock of it uh and then how you traveled through that together mm -hmm. and and what that was like one thing i really appreciate is that when we before we hit record today we, we were talking about uh you know just having a conversation about this and and megan you mentioned you mentioned you know having talked about this before with with other women mm -hmm. and how that just kind of came more naturally <laughs> and now here you are yes you know, in the grand mandate studios with two dudes talking about this. <laughs> um, and I said, you know, I think it's, uh, that's the point, you know, I think mm -hmm. that we need to know mm -hmm. as, as men, how, how we can love our wives through, mm -hmm. uh, through something like this. And so can you shed some light on that in terms of how you, sure. how you handle that as a couple? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously nobody grieves the same. I did not grieve the same way Matt did. And I will say like a lot of people were worried about like, Oh my gosh, how is their relationship going to be? Like, are they going to make it? And I will say if anything, like the second I met Matt, he was just my best friend. I've never felt 
so at home with somebody and just like we goofed around and we've just been you know such a good match and if anything this obviously grew us closer together um he was so supportive anytime I needed to talk or cry and um you know guys aren't um you know they don't reach out to men as much after something like this you know it was the primary focus was on me so I actually was really worried about him and how he was grieving because he was so concentrated on me so um what we kind of just did um we just spent a, you know a lot of time together we ended up taking a vacation um pretty soon after just because it felt so weird to go back out into public and be around people because it felt weird to experience joy or do normal things and you would just feel it felt weird like an out-of-body experience so we just kind of escaped and just kind of planned our future like hey what what does our life look from here like what do we do going forward like how can I help you to get through this and you know I ended up having to go see a counselor and he just you know he spent time with his friends or at home and he actually got into like meditating um so he kind of meditated and that's kind of how he dealt with that um but yeah it just changed kind of the dynamic of our relationship a little bit just communication wise but he had been so amazing one of the ways I kind of dealt with my grief is trying to concentrate on gratitude so we both every morning would try to write something we were grateful for and we put it in a jar and that was something we both did together um, to kind of experience it and then when we were thinking like okay we're gonna maybe try to get pregnant again it might be something um, we both kind of wrote positive affirmations all over our house and that was something you know his were something different than me um, you know, mine was like, my body is strong. We're going to bring our baby home. Um, you know, I can do this and his were different, but we would help each other in writing them and putting them around the house. Um, and I had shared just this last year, actually, um, I had experienced two more miscarriages about, um, 10 weeks and the same thing, you know, it's hard for a guy to know what to do. And it was still, you know, having lost a child and then again going through the separate kind of different loss of this miscarriage. Um, you know, he was a little bit more at a loss of like, what what do I do? How can I help you? But he actually knows to ask, like, how can I help you? You know, what's gonna what's gonna make you feel better? Um, so just opening communication and kind of being vulnerable and being okay with not always being okay. Like, I don't have to always be like super chipper and happy. Like, it's okay if I cry and I'm upset because these things happen to me because they are sad. And, you know, it's okay. Just don't live in the darkness. Um, yeah, those are, that's, that's an amazing thing that you came together to, to practice gratitude and mm -hmm. practice those things. And I suppose it's an obvious observation, but uh, there, there's just no way for me to understand fully ever what that's like mm -hmm. to have a life growing inside of you, you know, sure. and and uh, and what that connection really means and feels like, and uh, and so was there a was there a bit of a learning curve format or? I what? think so. Well, especially like with Lila, even when I was like in, you know, any man that goes to like labor and delivery, you honestly have, no, you're petrified. You have like, no, I, I mean, you're excited. You're feeling all these emotions, especially for a first time parent being like, 
oh my gosh. And then we're hit with this. Like, what do you do? And, you know, he was so concentrated on like, okay, like rubbing my shoulders, like making me breathe, like all those things. And then as soon as she was born, it switched for him too, you know, cause he could, he could hold her. And so I think that's different too. Whereas, you know, if you experience like a miscarriage, like I was saying, as soon as a woman is trying to get pregnant, as soon as she is pregnant, I mean, her life changes in that second for a man's, you know, they can be supportive and help and be there, um, throughout the pregnancy, but it's, again, it's hard for them to kind of experience the whole physical and emotional, um, changes that happen for a woman. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the part for me. That's just, it's hard to even, I can't, well, I can't, can't. I cannot Mm -hmm. wrap my head around just the, the emotional changes, the physiological changes Uh, that happens from the moment you learn that you're, that you've got a, Mm -hmm. you've got a child in there. So I really wish this Mr. Matt was here because one, I've met him. I've met him. He's a gorgeous man. He is. He's a good looking dude. He looks like a GI Joe, (laughs) a shorter GI Joe, but he's good looking dude, but he sounds magnificent. Yes, he is. He is. I'm so unbelievably lucky to have him, honestly. So, That's Megan, awesome. what I'm hearing yes. from you is communication is communication. is key. Yes. Right, and I'm and we're just talking about marriage now, mm-hmm. right? So we we've gone through the peripheries, family, friends. Mm-hmm. I'm sure family probably does a little bit better job because they have historical knowledge of how you grieve, and they've sure. probably grieved you through some smaller things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think the statistics are just absolutely against you mm-hmm. when you lose a child. I mean, it's I think yes. it's you have a you you double your chance of of losing your marriage if you've mm-hmm. lost a child. Right. And you guys likely tell me if I'm wrong here because of Lila and her wonderful life that mm-hmm. was here actually learned to communicate better. Way better. And we were I was so I just was so worried of something happening to our relationship that we were so we made it such, it was so so important for us to make sure we didn't let that happen. So we were doing things together as couples. Like I said, I was going to a therapist. We were both journaling. He was meditating. We were doing things that would try to like bring us together um, instead of tear us apart. Like if I was downstairs crying, he wouldn't like leave me alone. You know, he'd come sit down there and say, Hey, you know, can I do anything for you right now? Um, And yeah, just opening the lines of communication and dealing how, how to grieve. And he actually was really helpful. Um, I'm very much into yoga and that's kind of how he kind of got into meditating as well. I'm very much into yoga and, um, had found like a couple retreats I could have went to. And he was like really helpful in like trying to find different books we could read together. And that's something else that we did. You know, we read some grieving books together and we kind of talk about, Hey, this is interesting. And, um, and I think this is what you're saying, Megan, you're saying as if it's normal, Mm-hmm. I don't think it's normal. And I think that's what I really want the listeners to get out of this mm-hmm. is what you and Matt went through and how you came together. I think especially around these parts, and we talk about it quite a bit on this podcast, Joe, is I think a lot of people would hear Megan crying in the basement and think, I think, you know, she must be going through some stuff. Me mm-hmm. as the husband, I'm just going to stay away, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think what happens is that passivity. Sure turns into negativity mm-hmm. and you start because you're not communicating or you're not you don't feel as if your partner is there for you that's where you start seeing that friction happen and that's where things 
go awry. Oh, absolutely. I've actually, some of my girlfriends who've experienced, um, not this type of loss, but you know, a loss is a loss, um, you know, a miscarriage and they do seem that frustration with their husbands because they're like, they just don't understand like why I'm so sad or like why I'm upset. Like they just think like, oh, let's get pregnant again. And it's like, no, that's not, you know, they're sad because they lost this thing that they were hopeful for and that they loved. And it's, it's a loss of their future dreams and it's a loss of this, you know, potential child. And so, yeah, we do, you know, I, I do see that a lot, unfortunately. Um, but on the flip side, the girl needs to be open and totally. sharing as well, because Good. I think, you know, you can kind of shut down and be like, well, why aren't they, why aren't they asking me this? It's like, people aren't mind readers. If you need help or if you want to talk about something, you need to be open about it too. Well, that's and that's, good. and that's the whole point of talking about it now is that I, I'm hopeful that these kinds of conversations are equipping for people mm-hmm. who, who may be going through that right now or, or will do go through something like this sometime, you know, that, uh, our perhaps our natural response to do uh, to to a, something like this isn't not maybe the most helpful one, and so to to be equipped to respond in certain ways is obviously much more helpful. So here's a here's a question for you. This one's going to be tricky because okay. Matt will <laughs> will probably listen to this podcast. Um, if Matt were here yes. right now, what would he say? He wished he would have known or been or just responded differently or done better as, as your husband? Oh my gosh. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if we would have, you know, spent more time with Lila, if he would have been more, I, I really don't know. That is a hard question. I don't know what he would. Well, you'll be Matt will have to email (laughs) mandate.pod at gmail.com and answer the question for himself. That's right. I don't know. Maybe, you know, enjoy pregnancy more and, you know, be more supportive in that way. I'm not quite sure. Okay. I want to, I want to flip it. I want to flip it. Okay. There, I don't, it's hard to pick favorites. Okay. And we know that. (laughs) But let's talk about a favorite yes. because I think what what we want to do mm-hmm. is we want to provide people hope. Sure. So you likely have some favorite moments mm-hmm. that happened that would not have happened. Sure. If Lila had not. Yes. Passed away. So yeah. talk us through a couple of your most memorable okay. moments and memorable yes. specifically to you. Okay. Um, well, I will say so. In our grieving process, I just knew like, okay, I've got to do something. I need to, I can't, you know, again, I can't stick in this place of darkness. And so my husband and I um, chose to build a free little library. And probably one of my like favorite moments is, and we actually just moved. And so we're in the process of putting our free little library up in our new house. But um, uh, it's just honestly like every time seeing little kids come to our library and take a book and um, we called it Lila's little free library and there was like a little sign in and a little story of her life and um, stuff painted on it It was a little pink house and just being able to see kids in our neighborhood enjoy it because they did they like even a little two-year-old just opening and shutting (laughs) the door and you know some kids would come every night like before bedtime and pick out a book so um, just kind of seeing her legacy live on in that way has been one of my favorites. Um, and just actually connecting with other mothers who have, um, experienced this actually in Sioux Falls, we're in like a Sioux Falls lost moms group and, um, just connecting to those mothers and being able to kind of share our experience, um, and to kind of grow from that are probably, you know, a couple of my favorite 
things that I wouldn't obviously be able to experience unless I had um, lost her. So Pierce is here. Pierce is how old? Yes. Pierce, <laughs> Pierce is how old? Pierce. Um, he is three and a half. He was actually born a year and a day after she had passed, which is kind of, it was a really emotional thing. I had a lot of, actually, I requested to have a lot of the same nurses that were there when Lila was born. Mm. So, I mean, everybody was crying. It was just like such a beautiful thing. Mm. I've never felt such. And again, I had shared, I had a really traumatic birthing experience with Pierce where I almost hemorrhaged and died. Um, but even with his experience, I had never felt such joy. And I mean, I could have bursted, even though like I was not doing very well physically, but I was so happy. And since the day he was born, like we always say, like you were kissed by an angel. Like mm. he is just so sweet. He's so full of life. And we think, you know, she obviously had a part in that, but no doubt. Yeah. And he's actually, he's actually come to the age where he can kind of, he actually talks about her. Um, he'll say, you know, my sister Lila, he kind of just, you know, talks about her in kind of different ways, you know, saying he's, he's got a sister and which, is another aspect of loss. So like when you're a woman or you go get your hair done, you go to the doctor, you go get your nails done and they're going to ask, okay, so how many kids do you have? That is a heart wrenching question to ask. And it's something that's so common. And I still, um, thankfully going to that counselor, I was like well equipped with things to say. So it used to be really hard for me to go out in public, um, really anywhere because I was just so nervous of running into somebody and like oh my gosh am I gonna cry what are they gonna say Mm. um but my counselor had told me like okay think of anything somebody could say and you're gonna write down your response and you're gonna practice it and so I would just practice it practice it practice it and it sounds so strange but it helped me significantly going to the store like how many kids do you have and then I would just practice like oh I have you know one at home with me and that's kind of how I say it so I have one child at home or sometimes I'll say oh I have one you know one in heaven one one at home it Mm kind of depends in the situation how I answer it but um that's one thing that kind of can still kind of trigger me actually I was out at dinner on Friday and uh I was with my four nephews and my son and they were eating and all playing together and then this guy was just saying like I bet you don't have a sister. You don't have a sister. And he just kept saying it. And my sister-in-law just like, you know, rubbed my, you know, rubbed my Mm. arm, you know, just little things like that. And you're like, oh, gosh, Mm. you know, or sometimes like my uh, husband's side of the family has all like literally all boys. And then just being like, gosh, we don't have a girl in our family, you know, and just little things like that can just, oh, it's like a knife to the heart. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how is this? How has this experience shaped you as a as a parent? I am a way, way better parent. I think going through something like this, you honestly just, you realize kind of what's important and you're so grateful for what you have. I remember like Pierce waking up, you know, every hour and a half, two hours and just being like so unbelievably happy. Mm-hmm. Like I was just crying because I was so happy I had this child here. Like even when he cried or he did whatever, like I just didn't care. I was just so grateful to have him. Wow. And I felt like this ever since. I mean, obviously he's three and a half now, so he's throwing temper tantrums, <laughs> but I still, you know, um, I just unbelievably grateful for mm. whatever experience that we have there's there's perspective mm-hmm. right your absolutely. lens is yes. different yes absolutely so um i'd like to piggyback on joe's question mm-hmm. megan how about as a person right every situation we're gonna likely take something or give something mm-hmm. what do you think has changed the most 
in you because of this circumstance? I think probably my empathy and kind of understanding of people and their situations and how to communicate with people and I guess how to share probably, but definitely I'm way more empathetic and understanding um, for lots of different circumstances because of this. And I'm a completely different person than I was prior to her. Um, you know, as I would say, like most parents, anytime you become, it completely shifts your whole entire life. And it did for me too. So do uh, the thing that's coming to my mind, again, tell me if I'm wrong, is words. I feel like words mean a lot yes, to you. And they, they certainly do. mean more yep. than they did before. So is that something you're you're certainly more cognizant of the words that you're saying to oh, people? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm very, yes, I definitely think before I kind of share um, with anybody or anybody going through a loss or something, I'm trying to say, okay, you know, I don't want to say something that's hurtful. Like, how can I be helpful in this situation and mm -hmm. not hurtful? Absolutely. understand. So um, as we're kind of nearing the end of our conversation, I really want to get to uh, what you'd like to say to folks who are listening to this right now who are right in the middle of it sure. or, or know somebody who's right in the middle of it yeah. and need some encouragement or, or at least some perspective. And I really appreciate this opportunity to gain perspective over parenting and relationships and sure. and so the story is is really important just on its own but do you have anything that you would I think that this you know you're gonna grieve this loss forever I mean you are um I've read an analogy of like losing somebody is like carrying us you know a stone in your pocket like right away you notice it every day it's there it hurts but some days you just feel it brush against your leg other days you sit and it's you know, it pinches and it stings, you know, grief is kind of, you know, it's, it ebbs and it flows, you know, you're going to have days where you have really, really good days and you're going to have days where you're maybe not having the best day, but just know that, you know, this pain isn't going to be this unbearable forever. There is light. You will find happiness. You will find joy. You just have to work at it. You know, journal, meditate, read, go for walks, like find people you can connect with. There is a way to feel happiness again and to live an abundant life. Like just because you experience this loss doesn't mean that you have to live in this valley of sadness. Like the person you lost wouldn't want you to do that. They want you to like live a life fully. So just you know, if you're embracing your sadness, just embrace it. Be okay with feeling the sadness. You know, you're feeling the sadness because you lost something that was so great, but it's okay to not feel like that forever too. It's okay to experience happiness and joy and, and you will, you just, you do honestly have to work at it, but, um, you know, life, life is good and it will continue to, um, be good if you see good. <laughs> So Megan, you <laughs> you said that I mean one of the main reasons for you to come on here was to tell your story mm -hmm. and know that there are resources yes. out there. So yep. what are some great resources either that you wish you would have known about before or things that you encountered and yes. why were they so impactful for you? Okay, so I read, I mean, anything I could get my hands on that had anything to do with loss, um, but probably one of my favorite books was called Option B, um, and I think everybody should read it. It's called Option B, um, I think Building 
Facing Loss and Building Resilience. I'm not exactly sure in the title, but that would be a book I highly, highly recommend. Um, and there's lots of resources, especially in South Dakota. There's different groups you can join. Um, there's ones that are specific, obviously, to like stillbirth and child loss. Um, but, you know, different Facebook groups you can connect with. Um, there's an organization here that will actually, um, it's like a retreat for a husband and wife that you can go to um, after they experience the loss of a child. Um, I will have to think of the actual names of these these mm-hmm. resources and these Facebook yeah. pages, but there's, um, yeah, a couple I can think of. Well, think, let us know, Megan, yes. because yeah. we, will, I will. we as a part of your episode, we'll mm-hmm. want to get those yes. things out there. I think, go ahead, Joe. Sh- I think it's Sheryl Sandberg, right? Option yes, B. that is. Oh, uh, that's a great book. Yeah, uh, I haven't, I know of it, but I haven't read it. So thanks for that recommendation. So Megan, we were at the time now, obviously time goes by super fast. <laughs> for main thing I want to say as, yes. as co-host of Mandate, you're just a beautiful person. And Matt, well, although we don't know you. him intimately, we <laughs> didn't get time with him. He also sounds like a beautiful per- well, person. And you. Pierce is lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. And We're Lila lucky to have him. is lucky to have you. Well, thank you. I hope I did did okay it's sometimes i just Uh, well ben and i always say that we we just get to be the first people that hear the episode you know and and so i know that this just brings a lot of light to a to a dark subject and and especially for those who are maybe right in the middle of it where they don't see that light Mm -hmm. and can't imagine this sort of heaviness ever being uh lighter to carry so um so i i'm uplifted and and uh encouraged by this conversation and super grateful that you well thanks for having you did it thank you (laughs) all right folks thanks so much for joining us ben uh what's a good way to contact mandate if anyone needs to reach out absolutely best way mandate.pod at gmail.com you can find us on twitter or instagram look up mandate pod and you can find us on any of the ways you get your podcast just look for the orange sticker that says mandate podcast the main thing that we're asking listeners to do is if if you enjoyed this episode please share it and why it impacted you Uh, and then please go uh, subscribe and rate our podcast that's the way we can get this out to as many people as possible uh, through the algorithms that are podcasting so please just go subscribe and rate our podcast thanks for being with us my friends we'll see you next time on mandate